The great London preacher, Charles Spurgeon, was driving through the countryside on one occasion. And as he drove past a large farm, he saw the weather vane up on top of the farmhouse. And he almost missed what was written on the little wind screen on the, on the weather vane. But in great big words, God is love. And it caught his attention. He started to go by and then decided, no, I'll never come back this way again. I'm going to go in and find out what this is all about. So he went and he knocked at the door. And he introduced himself as the great London preacher that he was. He was well known all over the countryside. And so they knew who he was. And he said, I just had to stop and ask, uh, do you mean by your words on the weather vane that God's love changes as the weather changes? Oh, no, sir, said the farmer. What we mean is that whichever way the wind blows, God is still love. And Spurgeon used it as an illustration to begin a message that he preached a few weeks later on the subject of God's unchanging character. Whichever way the wind blows, God is still love. And what is true of the love of God is true of every part of his nature. As we're taking these snapshots of the character of God, we're learning a lot about who He is. And what we're, what we're determined to understand today is that in, in spite of all of the incredible changes that we endure from decade to decade, even from year to year, and sometimes from week to week, there is one of whom we speak who never changes. God never changes. There is a theological term that we learn about that. It's called the immutability of God. The immutability of God. And that means simply this, friends, that God has always been and that he always will be. And it means more than that. It means that all that God has ever been, he will ever be. That God cannot change in any way. That he will always be uh, consistent with himself. That the idea of a growing and developing God is something totally foreign to the scripture. God cannot change in any form or in any way. He has no beginning and no end, as we learn. He is perpetually the same. He is subject to no change in any part of his being. Therefore, God is compared to a rock in the Old Testament, so that we would see his stability in light of the fluctuating tides of the sea. God does not change. Now, one of the reasons God cannot change is because there are really only three things that can ever change about any of us, and God is not subject to any of them. For instance, if I change, it is because of one of three reasons. Either I get better, and God cannot get better because He's perfect, or I deteriorate and get worse, and for the same reason that He cannot get better, God cannot deteriorate. Or perhaps I am changed by influences or forces outside of myself, but God is the greatest influence and the greatest force in all of the universe and cannot be touched by any other force or influence that would in any way change Him. So by the very logical statement that He is God, we understand that He changes not. And everything about Him is true in that regard. In God, no change is possible, even though in man, change is inescapable. We know that we all appear for a little while to laugh and to weep, to work and to play, and then to go to make room for those who will follow us in the never-ending cycle of human life. 
But God is not subject to that cycle. God is not a created being. He is the creator. There never has been a time when this truth needed to be taught more than in this day of fluctuation and change. In this day when they have actually created a whole new science to deal with the sickness that people get because they can't deal with the rapid changes that are taking place in life. In this time when all around us we are grabbing for anything that will stay put, it's wonderful to know that in God we have someone who never changes. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and read with me one of the central passages on the immutability and changeless character of God. And for no other reason, just so you know where it is and you can read it when the need comes. It's Psalm 102, and it begins, the passage begins at verse 24. Psalm 102 and verse 24. And this is what the scripture says. Psalm, 120, Psalm 102 and verse 24. I said, O oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, all of them will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. This passage from the psalmist tells us that while everything around us changes, there in the center of it all is an Almighty who changes not. Now before I talk about what the changeless character of God means to us as His people, let me just put a parenthesis around these next few comments and remind you that all change, even for us, is not bad. In fact, it's important to remember that we can be changed. It's at the heart of our redemption, isn't it? Do you remember what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.17? He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. When we come to Christ and we accept Him as our Savior, we are changed. We are redeemed from the inside out and we are made new in light of the Word of God. So change is at the heart of redemption. But did you know that change is also at the heart of your growth as a Christian? Do you know the passage in 2 Corinthians 3.18 where Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What Paul is saying is we come to know the Lord. The process of beholding Him through His Word causes a change to take place in us. And as we see Him as He is and behold Him as believers, we are constantly being changed and we are brought into conformity with Him. So change is not only important to us in redemption, change is important to us in our growth as a Christian. But there's one other that I'm sure you've thought of. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Someday, and I love this, we shall be changed. And it's speaking of that time when the Lord comes and He calls His own to be with Him. And when we see the Lord in a moment of time, everything that was left unaccomplished through our Christian growth on this earth will be fully and finally affected. And when we see the Lord, we shall be changed to be like Him. 
changed in redemption, changed through the process of Christian growth, and ultimately changed to be like God. And in that respect, we applaud change, don't we? Thank God we can change. In fact, every day, if you're like me, sometime in the early morning hours or in the early part of your existence, you probably think of all the things that you know in your life that need to be changed and pray that God will help you in the process of changing those things to be more pleasing to Him. Having said all of that, the fact of the matter is, for most of us, as we enter the future, we're afraid of many of the changes that we face. We ask ourselves what changes will take place. What will be the story that we will tell? Some of these changes will shock us. Some of them will encourage us. Some of them we will not even be knowledgeable of. But through it all, we will be impacted, especially in this generation, more than any generation that ever has walked upon this earth. We are forced to deal with the constant changing of life as we know it. And that's why never has there ever been a time when we need to hold on to the stability of a changeless God. So let me ask my question. If God is immutable, if He does not change, so what? What does that mean to me? And let me tell you five things quickly. First of all, because God is changeless, His promises are unchangeable. His promises are unchangeable. I read this verse to you a couple of weeks ago, but let me put it down for you again. Numbers 23, 19. Listen to it. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Did you know, men and women, that as far as we can calculate, there are over 800 promises in the Bible? 800 that's a little more than two a day per year for any of us. And I remember, some of you do too, uh, growing up and at our kitchen table, we had this little box called the promise box. How many of you ever, ever remember that? Some of you raised your hand. And every meal, it, it, we took turns, every meal we took a little promise out and one of the kids and mom and dad, we would read one of those promises before we ate. 800 of them. Listen to me. On the authority of the changeless nature of God, not one single one of those promises will be violated. God will keep every one of them. What are some of those promises? Listen up. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Is that true? I will come again and take you to myself. Is that true? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Is God going to do that? Is He going to be with us? Absolutely. Let me tell you why. Because the God who made the promise hasn't changed and controls the environment in which the promise will be fulfilled. Cannot fail. Every promise God has made, He will keep. What does the immutability of God mean? It means that because God is unchangeable, His promises are unchangeable. Let me give you the second one. Because God is unchangeable, His purposes are unchangeable. In Proverbs 19.21, we read these words. There are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. Ezekiel 24.14 says, I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. Listen to what he says. I have spoken it. It will come to pass. I will do it. 
Whatever God purposes, He accomplishes. If you have your Bible still open to the Psalms, it's just a a little ways over to the book of Isaiah and the 46th chapter. Here is another central passage on the changeless character of God. And listen to the prophet Isaiah as he preaches to us about the changeless nature of our God. Isaiah 46, verse 9. This is what the scripture says. Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, whenever we make plans and whenever we put purposes down, and a lot of people are into business plans these days and writing out life's purposes and all of that, we can be very graphic and very descriptive of what our purpose and plan is. But we cannot guarantee the environment in which it may have to be effective. And many of you could give testimony today that you remember when you sat down with a great business plan and there were very few flaws that you could find in the plan and you had others give you their counsel and everybody said, this is a plan, this will work. But they didn't know about the economic crisis that was coming four years from the time the plan was made. They didn't know there was going to be a downturn and all kinds of things that have happened. And therefore, the plan was good, but the ability to execute it was failed. I'm telling you that God isn't like that. God not only makes perfect plans, but through His omniscience and His omnipotence, He carries out every detail of the plan, because you remember what we learned last week? He sees the planning and the fulfillment all in one picture. Hey, if you could do that as a business person, you'd never fail either, would you? If you could control the environment, if you could see the future as it were now, you would always make perfect plans, and that's what God does. His purposes are always fulfilled. But if that is true, is it possible that here in this doctrine we have a contradiction in the Bible? Did you know that in the Bible, on occasion, we read that that God changed his mind? At least that's what it seems to say. Did you know that Moses intervened in prayer and God did not do to Israel what he had planned to do according to the scripture? Did you know that Hezekiah prayed and God added 15 years to his life? Did you know that that God saved the Ninevites after he had promised he would judge them? Have you read in the Old Testament where God said he was sorry that he had made man? Genesis chapter 6 and verse 6. Or have you read specifically about one man that God said he was sorry that he made King Saul? How do you coincide the apparent repentances of God and God having said that he was sorry with the truth that we say he is unchangeable? How can a changeless God repent? How can a God who never changes ever be sorry for any event that he has ever been a part of? So many times when I'm with college kids, they bring these questions and say, See, here, there are contradictions in the Bible. But if you read carefully and if you study carefully, you will discover there is no contradiction here. First of all, God has to communicate himself to us in terms that we as humans can comprehend. 
There is a whole doctrine that you must understand about the revelation of God to his people that if you don't understand, you will never make any sense out of the Bible. For instance, does God really have an arm that is not shortened so that it cannot save? Does God in heaven have an arm? Does God have eyes? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth that he might find a man who is righteous. Does God have feet? No, you see, God is spirit, and they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. But how do flesh and blood people comprehend a spirit being? So God, through his word and through the inspiration of the prophets and the New Testament writers, has condescended to describe himself to us in terminology that we can comprehend. So that when God's purpose is executed and it is written, and a man in the process of following through that purpose, changes his attitude toward the eternal purpose of God. And then God's purpose is carried out in its fulfillment. It appears from human perspective that God has changed or that God has repented, but his purposes are eternal. And it is the changing attitude of men toward the eternal purposes of God that is at view in this particular situation. Can God be sorry? Not like you and I are sorry. But in God's eternal purpose for man, God's purpose is often affected in the way men respond to it. And his eternal purpose then has to be described in terminology we can comprehend. No, God's purposes cannot be thwarted. He cannot change. He is immutable. Here's the one that I've written down that I like the best. Because God is unchangeable, his provision is unchangeable. Think about that for a moment. James 1.17 says it this way. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Listen to this now. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James says that the very giving of God to his people is hinged upon his immutability. That the same God... Now listen to this. The same God who heard the prayer of Daniel in the lion's den is the God we pray to in our own version of the lion's den. That the God who protected the Hebrew children in the midst of the fiery furnace, he's the same God who hears us in the midst of our troubles and our trials. That the God who heard Paul when he prayed from the cell in the Philippian jail and God released him miraculously, that's the God we pray to. It's the same God who doesn't change, who provides for me, who provided for all of the great heroes of the Scripture. And when I read what God did for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, when I read the story of David and Joshua and I see these great heroes of the faith and their relationship with God and I say, wasn't it incredible what God did for them? I am reminded that God lives in the eternal now and he's the same God for David Jeremiah that he was for the Apostle Paul. And whatever I need, he can meet my need just like he met the need of those folks I read about in the Bible. He's changeless and his very provision is hinged upon his changeless character. There is an old hymn. And Steve, I want to thank you that we get to sing these old hymns. I love all the worship courses, but we always kind of have a period at the end of our worship time and we sing an old hymn, a hymn that we have come to love. I remember growing up singing this one. Do you remember Abide With Me? We don't sing that very often. It's, it's not as popular as it used to be. But I wrote the words of that hymn down because the writer of that hymn obviously understood 
the importance of knowing a changeless God and relating that to everyday life. Would you listen to these words, and you probably remember the melody. I, I would prefer you not sing it while I'm doing this, but just listen to, listen to the words and hear what the writer said in light of what we're studying today. Abide with me. Fast falls the even tide. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. Listen to this. Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself may guide in victory? I triumph still if thou abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes, sense through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. What, what was the writer saying? The one I need close to me, the one I need to live with me, is the one who doesn't ever change. And he prays through the words of this hymn, O God, who changes not, be my helper and my provider. Amen. I love to think that the God who hears my cries for help is the same God who heard Daniel and David and Joseph and Paul and all the rest of the people we love to study in our Bibles. Finally, let me tell you that because God is unchangeable, His personality is unchangeable. Now, I suppose I'm going to get in a little trouble here, but I'm going to risk it. And I, I, I know I have to go home after this, and that's the risk. Um, <clears throat> but, but let me tell you what I'm learning about being a father. And, and I'm learning this really good as my kids grow up, and you understand this. You know, and I, I need to say this as kindly as I can because it's true of all kids and it's true of all mine. Kids know how to work their parents. Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm trying to be kind because the word for this is manipulation, but we're just going to call it <laughs> kids know how to work their parents. you understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's incredible to me to watch them. It's a craft. Some are incredibly gifted at this craft. Have you noticed? If they could ever apply this kind of energy to being good students, we'd have geniuses throughout our whole world. But they don't just live with their parents. Listen to me. They study their parents. I don't know if they keep notebooks and write all this stuff down, but they know how to work their parents. I mean, there are times when you ask for stuff, and there are times when you don't, right? You come home from a service. You've had 2,500 people in church on Sunday. You had 118 folks join the church. People were baptized in all three services. They all came forward. You're the pastor. You walk in the door on Sunday night. You are dead meat. I mean, it's over. You can just about, you can count on it. Whatever, whatever they want, they can have. There are other times when, hey, dad's had a rough day. You, you may want to talk to him, but this isn't the right time. Are you with me? Don't look at me like you're not with me. You know, we've already had a, a dummy up here say that you sleep while I'm preaching. I'd prefer you guys wake up and, and, uh, and not do that. What I'm trying to say to you is this, and listen to me carefully. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is a blessed truth. Hear me. 
you don't ever have to work your Heavenly Father. Do you understand that? You never have to work Him. You don't have to wait for Him to get in a good mood. God's always in the same mood. And it has to do with your fellowship with Him. It has to do with your prayer. It has to do with your daily walk. God is always the same. He is always acceptable. He is always accessible. And any time you need Him, you can go. And you know that He's always going to hear you. His personality is described in Hebrews like this. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Say that out loud with me. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always the same. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord. I change not. And then there's one final thing I must say in all honesty. Because God is unchanging. Because He never changes. We have learned that His personality is unchangeable. We have learned that His provision is unchangeable. We have learned that His purposes don't change. And we've learned that His promises never change. But there's one last thing that you need to be aware of. That for every doctrine there is both a bright side and a dark side. And I want to tell you in all honesty as a faithful preacher as I can be that the prophecies of God don't change either. And I use the word prophecy in a different way than the word promise. Because the same God who said I will be with you wherever you go to believers is the God who says the soul that sinneth it shall die. The same God who says that his love endures to all generation is the God who says, if we reject that love, we don't have life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And I would like to be able to stand up here in my own energy and in the, in the spirit of what I might consider to be positive love and say to you that there is no dark side to the immutability of God. But that is not true. Because some of you may reason in light of that that you can play with God or in your own way you can work God. You can play with His offer of free salvation and come to the end of your life. Or maybe even after your life is over, you have some idea that you can stand before a holy God and talk Him into changing His mind about what He said would happen to those who reject Him. You can count on it, my friend, just as surely as God does not change one word of His promise. If you reject Him, you will die and go to a Christless eternity. God does not lie. Just as the cloud has a bright side and a dark side. The cloud that resides over this world of the immutability of God says to those who believe in Him, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it says to those who choose to reject Him, reject me if you will, but there is coming a day of reckoning and I will not change what I have said will happen if you do not hear my word and receive my Son. And so the question I have to ask you as we close our Bibles and close our thoughts around this subject, let me just be as frontal as I can. Are you working God? You remember what I told you about how we work our fathers? You're a child and you're, and you're trying to play with God. Maybe you think you can out-manipulate Him. You cannot. 
God has clearly set forth the plan whereby you can know Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you've never trusted Him in a personal way, to make that awesome discovery and decision today. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we are blessed to know You. And again, I feel as if I've been a cheerleader for God today. How I love to talk about You and to brag on You to these, my friends. But as I close today, I just want to make sure that I'm faithful. In teaching the immutability of God to to share the whole counsel. And I pray that if there are any who have never come to terms with you, God, through your Son, Jesus Christ, that you will help them to do that today. That they will not let another day go by till they have fully and completely placed their trust in Jesus Christ and accepted His forgiveness for their sin. If it is the desire of your heart to know God, you pray after me. And on the authority of the changeless Word of God, I promise you today that if you pray in sincerity that prayer, God, through His Son Christ, will come to live within your heart and you will have eternal life. Now, if that's your desire, you pray with me these words. Dear God, I know that I have sinned and that I am a sinner. I know that I cannot reach your standard of absolute perfect holiness in my own in my own works. And so God today, knowing that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory, I come to you in this prayer and I receive Jesus Christ as my personal savior and my substitute. And I ask him to come and live within my life and to take away my sin and to give me forgiveness and to give me the gift of eternal life. God, I may not understand all that's involved in this, but I do know this today. I am putting my trust completely in Jesus Christ for salvation and eternal life. And Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to live within my heart.